I signed up as a vaccine clinic through the Utah Health Department. I provided vaccines to my patients per informed consent and under my doctrine that I took 34 years ago when I started medical school in 1989 to first do no harm. I've been subsequently indicted by federal government for 1,937 vaccines that were purportedly fake. Uh, I gave saline instead and gave them a card that demonstrated that they'd been quote unquote vaccinated. So yeah, vaccine cards, fake cards, and oh, and I defrauded the government of $25,000 of their product of the 1,937 vaccines that I reportedly threw away. Anyway, those are the, those are the charges that came down in January. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. All right, well, thank you for joining me again. I first want to give a shout out to all of my Patreon subscribers, Shell Pace at the $50 level, Sam and Angela Schelke at 2020. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76 with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank. $10 self-made level at 10 with Kevin. We have the Refine Not Burned with Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pat and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Don, Jennifer, and the $1 a month level of Courage is Contagious, Amanda, Jay, Spetsnasty, and Darrell. Well, today I want to introduce you to a very special guest that I'm, I'm pleased to meet, to we meet. We were able to talk yesterday, and this man is a true hero. He is doing the best he could and unfortunately got into some legal hot water for it. You may have heard of him. His name is Dr. Kirk Moore. Sir, thank you so much for joining us today. So give us a, a rundown of what your experience has been through this COVID and then what you've done that, that I consider very heroic. Well, it started back in 2020. I had a very short window there where I kind of um, took it at government's word that we had a pandemic on the rise. It took me about a week of being at home and being able to fully research this to realize that it was a pandemic or a scamdemic or whatever that was involved. And I started uh, treating people. I started treating my friends, family, staff with hydroxychloroquine, Zithromax, vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, per the Zelenko protocol when he came out. Um, and then I started getting shut down by pharmacies, not able to, you know, not able to prescribe it. Um, I was getting all of my patients at the time my office was closed. We were closed here for last half of March, first half of April for elective procedures. I'm a plastic surgeon, so everything's elective. So we shut down. So I just did nothing but, you know, research things at home and kind of come to my own conclusions. I've always been kind of somebody that just doesn't go by, you know, the, 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 don't believe a lot of everything that people tell me now. I've, I mean, it's gone even further now. If you ask me something, if I see something on the news, unless I can find some sort of corroboration, I actually believe the opposite. And uh, anyway, so I, I was treating people. All my patients were coming to me saying, hey, my docs won't treat me. My neighbors were coming to me. My docs won't treat me. And so I started treating people. I started treating people both just with over-the-phone prescriptions, in-the-office visits. I was doing house calls for people that were very sick. I was treating people with high-dose solumedrol and, you know, saving people's lives. I, you know, there's at least two or three right off the top of my head that I know had they gone into the system would not be alive right now. And uh, treated over the course of the last three years, 
figures 800 to 1,000 people for COVID and not had one patient go into the hospital or one patient die. And, and um, to give an idea, going, sorry. No, no, this is perfect. Yeah. And to give an idea of people of where you live, because I think that's important nowadays to understand, like, you know, in certain geographic areas, it's easier to do what you've done. In other geographic areas, like especially where you live, it's even more difficult to do what you've done. Even even if we think that it may not be as difficult, the the actual reality on the ground has made life more difficult for you. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, I live in an area, I live in, you know, a suburb of Salt Lake City. People here travel tremendous distance, but there's, you know, in spite of, you know, about a million, 1.3 million people that live in the metropolitan area of the kind of the Salt Lake County, you know, Wasatch Front, you know, there's, you know, there's another 2 million people that live outside of that. I have 40, 50% of my patients come from outside of the state. So they come from Nevada, Arizona, Wyoming, Idaho. So people here are willing to travel quite a ways, but when you're shut down, you're not supposed to travel and you're being, you know, being punished for kind of the activities of daily living that we typically take for granted. And then people were, you know, not traveling as much. So we were getting a lot of, you know, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of text messages for people that were looking to kind of get treated. And so the next part that I really want to get into as much as we possibly can is when the shots came out. And I would imagine that there was at least some, and if there's any, any legal issues that you don't want to talk about, just say, you know, I, I can't comment on that because I know that there is a case where you've been indicted. Is that correct? Right. So, so, well, the prequel to that is, you know, sometime in the summer, we started summer of 2020, we started hearing about, hey, you can't treat people. This was going along the lines of what I was doing. You can't treat people until, you know, we tell them they have a vaccine. And I just, just didn't make any sense to me. There's nothing else in our lives that we've done as physicians or as, as, you know, practitioners or providers or whatever you want to call it, that we've actually not treated people when they come to see you. You treat them for their symptoms, even if you can't solve the disease. But we were told that we couldn't treat people and we had to wait for a vaccine. Well, I, you know, we've been trying to get a vaccine for HIV for 40 years. We've been trying to get a cancer vaccine for over 100 years. And we have a lot of vaccines that are already, you know, the flu vaccine being the main one that really doesn't work. Um, and uh, so I, I was super skeptical of all this. And on top of that, I was skeptical that we were going to be able to find a vaccine to treat a common cold virus. If we were able to do that, why hadn't we done it already? And so now all of a sudden, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, regardless of what the other stuff is and the people talk about, you know, treating in the middle of a pandemic, whether it's a good idea or not a good idea, you know, it gets into a little bit more of the science, you know, behind kind of how, how our bodies and immune systems respond to that. But, you know, just, just the fact that we're going to all of a sudden in nine months time have a, you know, vaccine available for the common cold just was a complete it, it just, it smelled of disaster to me. And, and what we're seeing now is, it, it is kind of borne out to be true. Um, so I was super skeptical of it to begin with. I'm a cynic, as I explained earlier. And so I just, you know, I, I just didn't have any faith in it. I started researching it. All the stuff that we, that I could see on mRNA stuff that had been out on all the animal testing, all the animals had died. And, and they either died from the, the, from the mRNA injection itself, or they died from re-exposure to the, you know, to whatever it is that they were trying to treat them against. So if they didn't die from the mRNA shot that they gave to the mice or to the rats or to the ferrets or whatever animal they were using, as soon as they got re-exposed to it, they died then. And they died from an overwhelming pulmonary infection. 
So I just like, you know, you, you haven't had any successful animal tests in the last 20, 30 years since this technology has been out there and available to you. On top of that, we're adding a lipid nanoparticle that is, you know, is toxic just from itself. So when you put all those factors together, I just, I looked at it that this just isn't, this isn't the way to go. So vaccines came out. Um, and I could see it coming. They were going to mandate it. You know, they were going to make it part of life. And they did. And uh, so I, I, I signed up as a vaccine clinic through the Utah Health Department. And uh, I provided vaccines to my patients per informed consent. And under my doctrine that, that I took 34 years ago when I started medical school in 1989 to first do no harm. And uh, I've been subsequently indicted by federal government for 1,937 vaccines that were purportedly fake. I gave saline and gave him a card that demonstrated that they'd been quote unquote vaccinated. And then, and so yeah, vaccine cards, fake cards, and oh, and I defrauded the government of $25,000 of their product of the 1,937 vaccines that I reportedly threw away. So anyway, those are the, those are the charges that came down in January. Yeah, and I'm looking at the charge sheet here, which is a public source documentation, and the case number is 2 colon 23-CR-00010 HCN. And I'll go ahead and put this available on my Telegram so everyone can read it, because it is a public source document that I think needs to be seen by many people. And it says in here that the total value of government property was, one th and you just mentioned this, 1240000 and some change, and almost $125,000. Now, that's interesting that it's government property that's destroyed, that that's what they're concerned about, that we have children, young adults and children dying in the droves due to fentanyl, but yet they, they did an undercover sting operation to figure you out because you destroyed their property. Who cares about the American citizen? Who cares about our children? Who cares that you save children? They want you to destroy children. They want you to, well, they haven't put any, res well, that we know of, we haven't put any significant resources into stopping this fentanyl coming across the border. You're just a little north of me in Utah, and I'm sure fentanyl is pretty bad in that area. But are they doing these same undercover? Are they indicting people? I, I haven't seen any evidence. You know, every once in a while you hear something of about a big drug bust and, you know, and everything else. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's $25,000 worth of product and almost $100,000 because they claim that I took $50 in a, in a administration fee or whatever. But, and that's completely false. They know it's false. They wrote that into the indictment, you know, on purpose to make it sound that it was, you know, that I was out for money. And, you know, I, I, this was a nonprofit organization that I asked people to donate to. It was a, request of one of my patients that actually came in and wanted to pay us. And I said, I'm not taking any payment. I'm not, you know, so, so we took no payments in the office for either the treatment or the vaccines. Um, and this was all done at, you know, as lawyers say, pro bono. And, uh, you know, there was absolutely zero profit. But yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about this. I had a friend of mine tell me the other day that, you know, the, the reality of the situation, Kirk, is you have been indicted for not murdering people and not maiming people. That's kind of, you, you know, he's just like, that's, that's the reality here. The reality is, is that, and the more information comes out, 
you weren't murdering people and you weren't harming them and you're not maiming them and you're not putting them on the disability roles of our country and now the government is coming after you. And, you know, it started with kids. It started with, you know, families coming in, kids needing to go back to school. Schools weren't letting them back in unless they were vaccinated or they had to stay at home. I sent my kid away to school because I wasn't going to make him, you know, either be vaccinated or be around vaccinated kids as much as possible. And I didn't send him. I, you know, I, I asked him. He's 14 years old at the time, actually 13 at the time. And, um, and I asked him, I said, Michael, this, you know, these are your choices. What do you, you know, where do you want to do? And, you know, he chose, he chose to, you know, go to a different school. And so we, we did that, but yeah, no, that's the, you know, that's the interesting thing here is, is that, you know, the, 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 all of the repercussions of the lockdowns and the mandates and the stay at home and the school issues, we've lost at least a year of education, if not more. Kids are growing up without the ability to make eye contact. They haven't seen people smiling. Their speech is delayed. You name it. You know, suicide rates are just absolute, you know, just through the roof. You know, teen, teen depression. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, you know, Sam, we're, we're at a crossroads here and, you know, they're using me as an example that, you know, if you don't abide by government rules and regulations, this is what's going to happen to you. I mean, you, you truly are a modern day Raoul Wallenberg. And for the listener, if they don't know who he is, he was, I forget what country, I think it was um, Switzerland, don't quote me, but he worked for the crown of that, that country. And he gave these, these certificates to Jews and said, here, with this certificate, you are now a citizen and you are no longer under German rule. And at the end, he was basically throwing handfuls of them in front of the, the train cars to save as many Jews as he possibly could. And, and it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard those comparisons with Anne Frank, Diedrich Barnhofer, Oscar Schindler, you know, you, you name it. I, again, and I had a conversation with a local, you know, a local guy who ran for Congress. His name is Jason Preston. I had a podcast with him a few weeks ago and, you know, he asked me about courage and it was interesting because I, I didn't do this out of a courageous thing. I did this, you know, kind of like out of, out of, I don't say duty. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. You know, I mean, it's whatever it is that I did do. Okay. I'm not admitting to anything at this point, but you know, I, I did this because it's the right thing to do. I had patients coming in and asking for a certain treatment. I felt it was the right treatment and I provided that treatment for them. So, I mean, I abided by, you name it. I abided by my oath, the Hippocratic Oath for, to first do no harm. I abided by the AMA Code of Ethics, which says that if you have a conflict with the legal system that you need to live and, and abide by your own moral and ethical code first. I abided by the Nuremberg Code, which was specifically, you know, talks about, you know, this scenario where you can't, you know, you can't do something without informed consent. You can't do something against people's wills. The Helsinki Accords, the Belmont Report, which was a 1979 report that came out by the U.S. government was reaffirmed in 2010. You know, you name it. And the EUA, the EUA itself says that you can't mandate something that's under emergency use authorization. So, I mean, all of these things, you, you go down the line and everything here tells people that they're allowed to choose what it is that they want to have done. And so I, I, you know, I abided by that, that act, those axioms, that, you know, those principles, you know, you, you treat the people the way they want to be treated. And if they don't want to, you know, undergo a treatment, then you don't make them do that. Wow. Now, I, I don't, I think we talked about, I don't remember. I would imagine you have a faith in a higher power. Is that correct? 
Yes, I believe in God. And and the reason I ask, I'm is, not super, not super yeah. religious, but I, you know, I, you know, there's yeah, there's to, a there's a higher power. We don't we don't have to get into that. I understand those are usually privately held beliefs, but I've just noticed that everyone here in this side of the the truth movement, the truth for health movement, they are they have some sort of belief in a higher power, whether it be Christian or Muslim or Jew, Judaism or or just whatever they believe the higher power is if it's a different entity. And I, I see that being an important part of bringing our country back from the brink. Some people might call it revival, but I just I see how that is critically important. And but do you see the do you see a little bit of the hypocrisy there where all of the churches of the world kind of more or less abandoned their, their, you know, their, all their congregations and all their people and everything else, because they were, you know, tip of the spear here in terms of demanding that it be done. The Pope is there, you know, the, 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 I don't even know what they, the, the prophet here for the Mormon church, which is a big, you know, influencer here, you know, the, the Muslim religion, you name it, you know, all of these religions were, you know, kind of like demanding that people go and get vaccinated. I, it just doesn't it, it it doesn't make any sense to me. And so for the same reason that all of the vaccine injured people and the people that have died from these vaccines and, ja and jabs, I don't like calling vaccines because it's really not. They had to change the definition to try to get it to apply. But, you know, people feel abandoned by the, you know, by their religion for that reason, for the, by this, in the same way that people feel abandoned by the medical system, you know, because now these people tried, I mean, I, a good friend of mine was a, was a, a volunteer for the AstraZeneca trial in November. We're, we're talking, you know, two months before any of this stuff even came out. And she was, she's been significantly vaccine injured significantly. And she's, she was completely erased from the study. Her number no longer exists. She's she's no longer part of the study. She wasn't referenced in there. She wasn't put in there as somebody that just kind of got lost by the wayside, you know, lost a follow-up. She just doesn't exist anymore. And that happened to, you know, any number of people. You know, Maddie Daguerre, that 12-year-old girl who is in a wheelchair now with a feeding tube in, was listed as a functional abdominal pain complication from, you know, the, the Pfizer shot. The girl can't walk. She's, you know, struggles with speaking. She, you know, she can't eat. You know, she's been treated as a, as a psych patient telling, you know, again, we've, we've lost our humanity. You know, we have cardiologists at the, at, at Cleveland Clinic that won't see people coming in with a heart attack if they haven't been vaccinated. It says, oh, you just deserve to die. I mean, it's just, you know, the, 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 the lack of humanity, Sam, is astounding to me. It truly is. I mean, I, I had an interaction, an online interaction with a pediatric cardiologist who's in the military and this is back when i had facebook and he said oh it's just a little small case of myocarditis it's no big deal it i mean i was just and he and he was saying later today i'm gonna go get my child vaccinated i was just astounded with with the cognitive dissonance and just like what do you mean a mild case of myocarditis yeah it it might not last long but the scarring that heart happens to the heart is never repaired Correct. right in a kid, right? A kid. And that I, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but the numbers are astronomical. The numbers are like 40% mortality in five years of people that have myocarditis. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. So you have an eight year old kid, okay. who has a 40% 40% chance of dying, you know, before he even becomes a teenager, you know, from heart failure. It's just the, the, uh, 
Yeah, cognitive dissonance to me is a term that applies, but it's not strong enough. You know, there's just, it, it, it doesn't have that implication of kind of total disregard for, you know, humanity. And, the, and, and I mean, it's crazy. It really is. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like making comparisons to, you know, times and everything else. But if you truly read what happened in the Bolshevik Revolution, you truly read what happened in Mao with, you know, in China back in the 1940s, and you truly read what happened in the 1940s and, and, and 30s and 40s in, in Germany and, and all of Europe, it's, uh, and it's a level above that because it's worldwide now. I mean, it's everywhere. You, you know, we had back in the, you know, back in Russia in the 19, in the 19 teens, you know, just after the turn of the century, you know, you had other places to go. You could, you know, you could travel a couple hundred miles to Europe and not have the same persecution. You know, in Europe, you know, you had the Jews that were trying to get on boats and trying to leave countries and trying to walk across borders and, you know, go to Austria and go to Switzerland and, you know, and, and, and go south into, you know, into Italy, get on a boat, go to, you know, go to France, you know, wherever it was, you know, I mean, they were trying to get out. Where do you go now? Right? Where do we go? I mean, you, you're going to have to go to some, you know, some war-torn country in Africa to kind of get away from the, you know, to get away from the, the, the medical persecution that we have right now. Yeah, and actually, the reason I'm standing here before you today is my great-grandfather left Ukraine-Russia area because of the Bolshevik Revolution in 1901, which is, you know, 20, 19 years before the Holodomor. And, you know, during Rita and Katrina, we had a family member and his mother-in-law stay in our home. In This was in Texas. And the mother-in-law was a survivor of the Holocaust. So, I mean, these things are not that far removed from where we live today. Right. Well, part of the problem, Sam, is is that we have we've dumbed down our whole education system. We don't teach people actual history anymore. We don't. It's not an objective reality to the you know to them. It's a it's a subjective educational process based upon the opinions of the people that are teaching them. And we see this with the books that people get in school. You know, we see this with, you know, the, the types of things that we see outside of school with all of the transgender, what do they call those things where they take the kids to these transgender displays and dances and everything else where, you know, they, I mean, and even some of the churches are holding these things. It's just, it's outrageous. It's crazy where we've come. And we're, we're way ahead of that. I mean, the, the United States, I mean, we don't see that stuff. You go to, <laughs> I heard somebody say something, I think saw something online or something about how safe Indonesia is, you know, and, and everything else. Well, you know, I mean, there is, but you know, you can't spit gum out on the ground in Indonesia or you go to jail. If you're caught with, if you're caught with any drugs whatsoever, it's like a 20 year mandatory sentence, you know, and it, with a, you know, if you go in there, I mean, you think, who is it? Brittany Griner or whatever in Russia, right? Where she got thrown in jail for trying to sneak in some marijuana because you know, she's got a medical prescription for it or whatever. And so you go to these countries and you realize that, yeah, they have some really strict rules and really strict laws, but, you know, they, they, they stick by them. And, you know, we have people now that, you know, are, are caught raping 12 year old boys and get set. It's just, it, it, you know, the world has turned upside down. Yeah. It's what one might even say, like evil is good and good is evil now in our country. I mean, it, it, it's clearly the unseen realm at war in plain sight. It's no longer unseen. It's just right there. And, and much of what you've described is the best word for it is evil.
Yeah, it's and it is in plain sight, right? I mean, everybody says that this is a conspiracy theory, and everybody says the Great Reset is a conspiracy theory, and everybody says all these things are not true. Well, if you, I mean, the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab wrote a book two years ago about it. Okay, I mean, it's it's not like it's it's a conspiracy theory. He wrote a book. He's telling you what he wants to do. You know, they have a website. The website says you will own nothing and be happy, and that's a conspiracy theory. You know, every conspiracy theory that's been out there over the last three years is now borne out to be true. You know, everybody says, well, you know, hey, we're not going to have we're not going to have vaccines. You know, or, or you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to make them mandatory, and then they come out. We're not going to do lockdowns. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do masks, and then they do it. I mean, everything that they said they weren't going to do, they actually ended up doing. And then now, you know, so it, it, it's just like, you know, you write down this list of things that's happened here over the last. I mean, it's it goes beyond three years, but you know, even just over the last three years, and it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts, Sam. I just I can't imagine what you're going through and I'm I'm glad you're you're going through it. We need we need men, we need doctors like you to stand up and to show that this is this is what standing for truth and and honor and integrity really is. Well, thank you. I think it's you know, I'm again, it's not a courageous thing. It's just a, a matter of what I felt to do, which was the right thing to do. It's it's more than just me. It's a bigger there's a much bigger concept here, much bigger process here. And it's, it's about medical freedom. It's about taking care of our kids. It, it, you know, it, it's about freedom in general. And if we don't have the freedom to determine what our kids put in their bodies, determine what goes in our own bodies, what freedom do we have left? And that's, that's the reality. So, you know, I'm, I'm standing up doing the best I can. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's taken a toll on us, you know, on, on myself, on my, on my kids, on my family. I'm a single dad and, uh, you know, just, just had a meeting in the principal's office because, you know, my son is scared, you know, acting out a little bit. He's a good kid, you know, but not in the drugs or, you know, anything else. He just, he's just, he's acting out because he's worried and he's scared. You know, he lost his mom a few years ago. And so he's like looking at dad under federal indictment and, you know, potentially go to jail. I mean, if I get, if I get convicted, on all charges, the 1,937 charges of fake vaccines, fake cards, you know, aiding and abetting, stand to lose $125,000 in restitution. I stand to lose about a $750,000 fine and up to 28 months in jail. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's tough for a 15-year-old freshman kid to kind of try to live a normal life in high school and go through that. So anyway, doing the best we can. I can't even imagine them wanting to give you jail time for saving people's lives. Yeah, so that's the right. That's what I said earlier is that, you know, a friend of mine said, Kirk, you're being indicted for not murdering people. And, you know, and the government is worried about, like you said, and $25,000 in government product, which is your product and mine, right? I mean, that's, we paid for that. The government doesn't have any money. They don't make any money. They, 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 you know, they, take it from us, you know, forcibly take it from us. And, you know, now they're claiming that, you know, now they're claiming that it, because I threw it away, that that's a federal offense worthy of, you know, kind of going after somebody, you know, for this. When you said there's, you know, kids dying every day of fentanyl overdoses and, 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 and depression and suicide. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, yeah, don't get me started, man. We've already been on that. I think what's even more striking from the, the spiritual aspect of this whole thing is in, in Hebrew, the word for blood and money are the same. And there's a reason why they should be connected. You know, for an economy to work, you have to have 
money floating around for a body to work you have to have blood floating around and what's just striking is you took your own blood if you will your taxpayer money for these these vaccines and you dumped it out but here you're having to use your own blood and money to to defend your life against them extracting more money more time out of your life by if if they incarcerate you and they're using your money to do it they're using your own blood to fight you Right, and we're both in that same situation like i'm using my own blood to fight me (laughs) and defend myself too because i'm i'm fighting against the government now i'm suing them and they're actually coming after you fighting against the government fighting against the state you know if i lose i lose money but if you lose it it could mean time away from your life yeah well um i had an attorney local attorney here, you know, slapped the indictment down on a table and I went and interviewed him and he said, you know, why did you do it? Talked to him a little bit, you know, and then he said, you know, you need to, paraphrasing here, okay, you need to cut your balls off, walk in there with your tail between your legs and you need to beg for mercy with the court because they're going to throw the book at you. You need to go see a psychiatrist to get a psychiatric evaluation that proves that you're not a danger to society. And (laughs) so the only thing I didn't do when I walked out of the office was flip them off. Um, But yeah, so that's the mentality, you know, that's, that's where we are. And you know, you, you, it's, you know, I, I mentioned it briefly, you know, there's doctors out there that, won't treat people if they haven't been vaccinated. There's people out there that can't get a kidney transplant because they're not vaccinated. One of my mom's really good friends just died yesterday because she was a cancer survivor and they, and or she was a cancer survivor. This was back in 2020 and was getting chemotherapy. They delayed her chemotherapy. And then when the vaccines came out, they wouldn't treat her until she got vaccinated. So she got vaccinated. And in addition to the breast cancer that they were treating her for, she ended up with a kind of turbo uterine cancer and she passed in less than 18 months and less than that. Yeah. I mean, 18 months. So it's just the, again, it's the, the lack of humanity and the cognitive dissonance that you mentioned earlier is, is just astounding to me. You know, you and I, we're smart people, right? And we went to medical school. I went to medical school with 125 other kids. I don't know how many kids were in your class. And you're just sitting here and you're just going, okay, so 100, and, 100 people every year out of the University of Miami where I went to school, you know, every year, year after year after year. So they've had 3,000 students that have graduated from medical school since I left school. And and you multiply that by the number of schools that are out there. I mean, how many schools are out there? 125 schools or whatever it is. And And you just sit here and you're just looking at all these and you're going, are you telling me that there's less than 1% of people that actually think about what the repercussions and what the ramifications is of a experimental product that has never been tested on animals, that has never been humanly tested, is going to be something that is safe to give to not only kids, but pregnant women? I mean, they specifically excluded pregnant women from the Pfizer study, and they told people to not get pregnant. Right. And then two months later, you have the whole, the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology telling, oh, yeah, it's safe for pregnancy. And as a matter of fact, we demand that you get it done. You can't go to the hospital to deliver your baby unless you've been vaccinated. I mean, it's where do you. So, where, I mean, again, where does that come from? 
Your whole career has been spent on every drug. I mean, you can't even give Advil to women that are pregnant and you're going to give them some sort of shot that you don't even know what's in it that you have already seen has caused myocarditis in the people that are getting it. And you're saying, okay, it's going to be safe to give to pregnant women. What's going to happen? I mean, you know, you've seen the numbers. I mean, Dr. Thorpe had a Michelle Gershman on the, on the, you know, the high wire, you know, three, four months ago talking about, you know, maybe not even quite that long ago, maybe November. Yeah, I guess it was three or four months ago. We're already in March. Anyway, you know, so talking about her getting an email and the email said, well, we're really sorry about the record number of live births or live deaths or, or stillbirths, okay, and fetal demises that we had in the month of August. And we're really sorry because it was only matched by the record of fetal demise in the month of July, 21, okay? 21 cases in July, 21 in August, okay? And we've already, it's only the 9th of September and we've already had seven. So they're sitting here and apologizing and they're going, and we don't see it getting any better. And yet there's no, how do you, how do you not take the next step and say, what have we done differently now? I mean, if you, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon. If I go in there and I do 10 consecutive breast augmentations and every single one of them turns out badly. And I, you know, and every single one of them, the right breast implant is like in the armpit. Okay. Am I not going to go back and look at what it is that I'm doing and trying to figure out what it is that I did wrong to cause the right breast implant to go all the way into the armpit and then people coming back in me having to reoperate them? I mean, of course you are. You know, but I'm not going to look and find out and go look back and say, oh, well, you smoked pot when you were 17 years old, and that must be the reason why this is happening. Or, you know, you, you went for a, you know, you, you went to the gym seven and a half weeks after your surgery, and, you know, and now you can't go to the gym anymore. I, I mean, that's the mentality that we have here. We're not looking at, you know, it's kind of like you were never, you're never told to, to look for the red herrings here before, but now the whole medical community is telling people to look for the red herring, right? I mean, you had your differential diagnosis that went down. Okay, what have we done differently? What is the presentation of your symptoms? And it could be, you know, diabetes, it could be high blood pressure, it could be, the, you know, whatever this, you go down the list, right? This is, and then as you get farther and farther down the list, it's, you know, less and less frequent. So, you you know, you'd have docs that where you're teaching you internal medicine or family practice or whatever, or, and with surgery, okay, what are the possibilities here? And you don't start off with the weirdest thing possible. You start off with what's the most common thing? What is the, what is the thing that changed? What is the thing that you know that everybody just had done well we've all just been we all just forcibly vaccinated 70 to 80 percent of our nation and now we're seeing all these problems so what what else could it be well to, to your point about the schools i know this is this is this is a heavy hard topic and it's it's draining to talk about this but it's it's uplifting to see men like you but i think kind of to answer that that question about the schools how can so many doctors because this has been just you know, boggling my mind too, is how, how can so many doctors be so spiritually blind? And I think it's, it's who they pick. It's a selector bias. Who do they pick to go to these schools? The ones that have performed the best in school. Well, the ones who perform the best in school have either been in the school the longest or have bought into whatever they were selling at school, the indoctrinated. And it's the indoctrinated who have become bestowed with a doctor, a doctorate. And, and now they are driving the ship. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a great way to look at it, Sam. And, uh, you know, they've been kind of 
tailoring their education system to get people to be compliant with the system and to not bucket? I guess, how do people like you make it through there? <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, the whole Milgram experiment, there was about 20% that didn't shock people till they were dead and beyond death. I think that percentage of med school applicants is probably much smaller, especially the ones that get accepted. But, but here we are. Yeah. And, and there's an apathy, right? There's a, just a generalized public apathy and a public trust that the government is doing the right thing. And the sad thing is, you know, again, I hate to go keep going back to the, you know, the high wire, but, you know, I watched Del Bigtree a lot and, you know, and, and he had Mickey Willis on six months ago and Mickey Willis made a statement on there said, you know, Del said, Hey, when are we going to get out of this? And Mickey said, you know, it's going to be, my fear is, is that it's going to take a close to home kind of tragedy for people to kind of, you know, see this. And even then, I don't know that a lot of people do because you've heard stories of, you know, my, well, my husband just, you know, he had a heart attack. He was 67 and, you know, he was otherwise healthy and he went to the gym seven days a week and, you know, everything else. And he just had a heart attack and, you know, hey, you know, shit happens. You know, when you don't really think about it, the guy was healthy, not overweight, not taking any medications and everything else. Why did he have a heart attack? I mean, the, I, I can count on one hand the number of people that I, when I grew up, you know, and I'm older than you are, Sam, but, you know, I grew up and I'm talking about, you know, kind of in my formative years, teenager, early 20s, you know, late 70s, you know, early 80s. I, I, I knew two people that had their parents that died. Okay. One guy. 40, he was a young guy, actually, maybe 39, 40 years old. And you hear about, you know, it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. With a congenital family history of heart disease and, you know, two teenage kids and, you know, and he just, he, he just keeled over in his living room and died. You know, I, it happens, right? But now, I mean, it's, it's happening every day. So, you know, that, that same lady that I was telling you about earlier, who's, you know, who, who was the AstraZeneca, you know, kind of volunteer, her sister has had two, maybe three shots, educated person. Okay. She's a doctor. She's developed autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis. Her husband died from the vaccine and you know, she's maybe now starting to realize that there's something wrong, but we're talking about, this is well over a year, year and a half into this. And so even Mickey saying, Hey, it's going to have to hit close to home. It, you know, there's a lot of people that are so snowed by this and, and have their wool pulled over their eyes that, you know, even, even their husband dying at you know, 52 years old, right next to them, you know, in his sleep, four days after a Pfizer jab is still not gonna, you know, still not gonna see it. What scares me is this, if this were the graph of deaths, I don't believe that we're at the uptick yet of this hockey stick that will be going up. And that's, that's what terrifies me is I don't, for as bad as it is, I don't think we're even at the uptick. No, I mean, we're seeing the uptick. We're certainly not at the peak. I, this is, and this is going to go on for a whole generation. Okay. This is going to go on for, unless we stop these shots and unless we stop giving them the kids and unless we stop giving boosters to adults and, you know, and still trying to find people to, to, to jab, you know, it's, it's going to continue. And you, cause you have all of the, it's just a huge unknown. You know, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, the lipid nanoparticle. I mean, that's never been injected in humans before. Okay. And you know, what is, what are the ramifications of that? What are the ramifications of the reverse transcription of the MRNA into the DNA? Okay. So what happens with people that do not get sterilized, that, that are still fertile and they have this DNA in them now, 
and then they mate with somebody else who has that DNA, what, what is going to happen with their kids? Right. What what are those? What's you know, we just we don't know that we have no idea because we have a total of nine months of study on this and none of it on humans. It's just it, it, it just it amazes me that there's not more people out there asking these questions right now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just it, it's shocking. It's terrifying. It's there's hope, though. And go ahead, sir. No, no, no. You're right. There's always hope. I you know, you can't give up. Okay. And I would never be in that situation to do that. But, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, in the future, I think we will turn this around. I mean, we always do, but in the meantime, what's the, what's the carnage that we're going to, you know, that we are going to, you know, see in, in the course of the next 20 years. And you're, you're, you're younger than I am, you know, 20 years from me will put me close to 80 so hopefully I'm still there and, and, you know, able to comprehend what's going on. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a scary thought. Yeah. And I think before we can have any healing from this, the real criminals, not, not you who's been labeled a criminal and, and not the, I, I had a guest on here who was actually convicted of not getting a shot and not wearing a mask, which are both EUA products, as you know, and they're both unlawful and illegal. And I use those terms differently to tell a service member to take the shot or to wear a mask. He was on this show and he was convicted of that in a court martial. But we need the real felons, the ones who are pushing all this to get their day in court at Nuremberg 2.0. Not not you, sir, who's been standing for life and for liberty and for justice. Well, I appreciate that, Sam. And I agree. I don't think there's going to be any any level of justice until we see some element of, you know, these these pushers. And, you know, I just saw the term the other day that I hadn't used very much, but poison pushers. And, you know, I mean, again, conspiracy, you know, Deborah Burks writes a book and says, well, we just based this whole thing on hope. And, you know, and it's just kind of like, seriously, you're, you're supposed to be a scientist. You know, and then Rochelle Walensky, who says, you know, in Congress to a question by, I don't know who asked her the question, but, you know, basically, are you ever going to change your, you know, your masking protocols for kids based upon the current science that shows that masks don't work? No, we don't plan on changing that, you know, that, you know, those dictates. Isn't that your job? And it's worse than that. It's not that they don't work. It's not that they're ineffective. They're destructive to humanity. That That's the bigger issue. They're not just not efficacious they actually destroy children and their psyche and their ability to read other people and almost cause almost like autism because the whole point of autism is you can't read a face you can't understand facial expressions you can't understand other humans and if you never see a face and you never have your face seen then you can't understand human expressions yeah again i mean it's kind of like every at every step of the way every turn you make you realize that you know, there's, you know, not just a fork in the road, but, you know, there's seven different ways that you can go. And there's so many rabbit holes and so many areas that you could go to and research and look into. It's, it's daunting. Well, sir, I want to be respectful of your time, and I truly appreciate you coming on. Do you have a Give, Send, Go set up? So we do. It's a, it's a Give, Send, Go, Stand for More, just S-T-A-N-D-F-O-R-M-O-O-R-E. So you can go to the Give, Send, Go website and put in and put in those words, or you can go to the Stand for More website, so standformore.com, and there's a Give, Send, Go on there, and we'd appreciate any donations we can get. Thank you. And I'll put a link down below so that you can get that. Sir, you 
definitely deserve one of these. Send me your address, and I will send you one of these. This is the Plandemic Reprimando COVID-19 Reprimanded Ranks. And I wish I had something a little more. I'll wear that proudly. Thank you very much, Sam. I'll definitely get you my address. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to talk to you some more after we come off the air about lawyers and see if I can hook you up with anybody that I may know. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.